If you've got a Bible, which I hope you do, open it up to Proverbs. Middle of your Bible, we've been in Proverbs uh, since May 1, teaching from this book, looking at its wisdom. The first couple of weeks, we looked at wisdom and foolishness, and then since then, we've looked at specific uh, themes and subjects that Proverbs speaks to. Next week, we finish up the series looking at the subject of money. Today, we're going to look at, look at the subject of our speech and God's, work, God's wisdom in this area. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. I learned that in grade school. It's cute, isn't it? It's utter nonsense. It's like, that's cute. It's utter nonsense. Words can bruise and hurt. They can also bring blessing and heal and give grace and life. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, death and life. The words that we speak can be life-taking. They can be life-giving. We speak, write, type, text hundreds if not thousands of words a day. No matter your job, your personality type, extrovert, introvert, we are continually and constantly communicating. Smartphones only give us that many more vehicles to communicate with, ironically, the phone being probably the one we use the least. In the course of this service, I will say uh, nearly 4,500 words. Using some rough math, I've spoken over 2.5 million words since preaching here on a regular basis. Some words I'd like to have back. Maybe some of you remember those. I hope you don't. And some words I will never stop saying. Words that I need to hear on a continual basis and words that you need to hear on a continual basis. Even when I'm not preaching, I'm still communicating, typing, texting, note writing, meeting with people. Words are still flowing and you are in the same kind of boat. We are made in the image and likeness of God and our God is a communicating God. He's given us His Word, word that, words that speak to us about His nature and character and who we are in Him and, and the goodness, the heroic nature of Jesus Christ and the Gospel. We serve a God who is not silent. And so we follow in that image and likeness. We are a communicating people. There is power to our words that we often underestimate. And as we look back on our lives, whether it be years ago, days ago, maybe even a couple hours ago, we can point to words that we have spoken and words that we have heard and words that we have, would choose not to have spoken, words that we would love to hear again. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And knowing that truth and knowing that in the years ahead and however long the Lord has, has us here, that we will speak and communicate countless words, knowing that we need to continue to make Christ-like progress in this area. Because as God's people, our speech should look and sound different than the world. Because thanks be to the grace of God in our lives and salvation in Him, our hearts have been made New And so the words that overflow out of our heart that is in Christ should reveal that identity. It should reveal that lifelong pursuit of loving Jesus with all that we have and loving our neighbor. So how can we grow in this? Well, the book of Proverbs will lead us well in this. In the 31 chapters, there are nearly 150 references to our lips and the tongue and our mouth, our words, and no, we will not be reading all 150, but we, we will be reading several. And so I would encourage you to make note of them in your Bible or on the back of your program. Remember, Proverbs is a wisdom book, and throughout it, the Lord is contrasting what living 
with godly wisdom looks like, contrasting that with what does living with self-centered foolishness look like. And so I want to look at how Proverbs contrasts how the wise speak and how the foolish speak. And we're going to look at four different contrasts in these. And then I also want to look at where the speech leads. Where does wise speech lead and where does foolish speech lead? In short, like Proverbs 18.21 says, wise speech leads to life and foolishness leads to death. Wise words heal, they're sweet to the ear, they're an act of grace, they're a strength to our souls, they're life. And foolish speech, though, we'll see in Proverbs notoriously, divides, it destroys, it leads to strife and quarreling. So let's look at these four contrasts between wise and foolish speech. The first marker, wise speech is marked by gentleness, foolish speech is marked by harshness. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Gentle meaning soft. That's how the ESV translates that word. Harsh meaning just that. Severe, unforgiving, condemning. God's people are new creations in Christ, and so our words are to be marked by gentleness. You should look up this week how often the word gentle shows up in the New Testament and how it's to mark our witness to the lost world and the community that we have with one another in the family of God. You can use a, a website like BibleGateway.com for that. Looking up the word, the word gentle and see how often that shows up in the New Testament. Proverbs 15.4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. The gentle tongue is one that is like a tree that provides shade and comfort from a hot sun, a tree that provides life to the creation around it, a tree that, is, that can, we can take refuge under when the sun of the world, if you will, is beating down. Are the words that you and I use like a shade tree to those around us? Is it bringing shade to those closest to us or even those we know very little about? Is it bringing life and speaking of life in Christ? Our world is marked by harsh language. Some rants and speeches will be described as, he went scorched earth on so-and-so. Click here, right? And then we click there because we fall for that. Gentle tongues don't make the headlines. Winsomeness doesn't make the headlines. Nuance doesn't make the headlines. Gentleness doesn't sell in a world that is addicted to sin and self. But gentle sp speech brings glory to God, which is what we care about. It brings life and love to those on the receiving end. It, it should mark the way of a follower of Jesus. A second indicator of wise speech is that of truth and foolish speech marked by lies. So, so we might wrongly think that a gentle or soft answer means void of truth. Like gentle just means Midwestern nice, where we don't actually tell anybody the truth. Like, you want to play in the street? That's fine. Go ahead. Have fun. Be safe. That's Midwestern nice. We're gospel people, so we speak the truth in love to one another. Gentle doesn't mean void of truth. As God's people, we are witnesses and ambassadors for Him, and, and our triune God is a 
true God, a God who speaks truth, who is true. So as His people, we're called to speak the truth in love, according to Ephesians 4. So there should be, gentle, there should be a gentle tone to our words, rejecting a self-righteous, arrogant tone. At the same time, we should be speakers of truth and not lies. Proverbs 24, 26 says, He who gives an answer, an honest answer, gives a kiss on the lips. When I kiss my wife on the lips after 26 years of marriage, it still brings life to my soul. I swear it lowers my blood pressure. It brings, it's a gift. It brings refreshment. It brings us physically closer to one another, but relationally closer to one another. And such is the case for honesty within the family of God. Honesty is refreshing. It brings us closer to one another. It, it's a gift. When a brother or sister confides in us, con- confessing of their sin or struggle in their life, in that moment we should be saying, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for walking by faith and for your honesty in that. And those honest words help you love and bear with them better and it helps you walk in the light as well, to share of your sin, share of your struggle. Our speech with one another in the family of God, let alone our words to the world, must be marked by truth. Proverbs 6 tells us that a lying tongue and a lying witness are examples of things that are detestable to the Lord. And here's one reason. Lying, that one reason that lying must not describe the people of God is because when our, when our world is marked by lies, whether blatant or or little white lies, when our world is marked by that and we follow in that pattern as God's people, then our Christian witness is hindered. It's hindered. It's hurt. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are detestable to the Lord, but faithful people are His delight. See, now some of you, you, you look at this verse and you go, well, that means i got to lie better. i got to hide better. That's not gospel. The Lord knows and sees all. Psalm 139 makes that abundantly clear that He even knows the words long before we even speak them. And so the goal of the Christian life is not to hide or perform better, but to confess, to walk in the light of God's goodness, grace, and truth. And in that light, that's where we experience transformation and freedom, not in the shadows, not in the darkness, not in the corner, but in the light is where His faithful people are called to walk not declaring of our marriage and our greatness, but His, that even when we are unfaithful, He is faithful. That's the Christian witness the lost world needs. At the heart of the motivation to lie is a love for self. We're making it about us in some form or fashion when we lie. May our lives instead make it about the One who died and rose again for us, who's given us new life in Him. him. Gentleness, not harshness. Truth, not lies. The next marker for wise speech must be that of graciousness because foolish speech is often marked by gossip, which which is anything but gracious. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Other translations translate gracious as kind or pleasant. These are the words that strengthen us in the faith. The Lord has used a number of you over the years to speak gracious words into my life. And that's a gift to receive, is it not? It's sweet like honey. Back in March, we had a covenant member 
uh, gathering and afterwards, I had a brother and sister pause and take time to speak life into my weary heart to encourage me that the work that we are a part of is not a waste. It's not returning void, but it's, it's worth it. In May, at an elder meeting, Joel paused at the end to simply encourage my heart and share of how and where he sees the Lord at work in the ministry of, of the Lord's church here at Crosspoint. Those are just a couple examples, and I'm grateful to be alongside you as a member of the family where we can speak honeycomb-like words to one another. Every Sunday morning is an opportunity for you to walk in this building and speak honeycomb-like words to those around you. Words that are sweet and healthy. Words that build one another up. That speak of courage into the heart of a fellow brother or sister. Courage not in themselves, but courage in the, in the Lord who's doing the work. Gracious words spoken and shared by God's people are a gift. May we be generous in giving them, and at the same time, may we turn from and reject gossip and flattery, which is anything but sweet and healthy, but rather destructive. Listen to these three verses speaking of the foolish sin of gossip. 11.13 says, A gossip goes around revealing a secret, but a trustworthy person speaks a confidence. 16.28 says, A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Proverbs 17.9, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Gracious speech leads to a strengthening of the body. Gossiping speech leads to a separation of the body of Christ. In over 20 years of ministry, I can tell you I've seen evidences of both of that. I've got receipts for both. And no, I don't have a whiteboard in my office, but I can point to stories where Gracious speech covered over. Gracious speech strengthened the family of God, as well as how gossip tore down the family of God. See, the wise not only reject gossip themselves, they also reject in participating with it in other, with others. Proverbs 18.8 uh, says, A gossip's words are like choice food that goes down to one's innermost being. Like these morsels that are tasty going down. Of, oh, that's a juicy little nugget that I learned about so-and-so. And that it's toxic to your innermost being. See, the effect of gossip doesn't remain out there if you feel like you are secondhand of it. It doesn't remain out there. It changes in here. It changes your heart. It's like secondhand smoke. You may, you may not be the one leading the way, but you're just breathing it in just the same. I've seen gossip turn hopeful people into cynical people and prayerful people into pessimistic people. Much like most sins, the bent of our flesh is to surround ourselves with people who struggle with the same sins so we feel more justified in that sin. So gossips notoriously love to surround themselves with fellow gossips. And you could pick any sin in that category. It's not just gossip. So we must avoid destructive circles like that that feel like Christian community, but there's no speaking the truth and love to one another. There's no fighting for holiness. There's no walking in the light. It's just justifying our own selfish sin. Proverbs 20, 19 says, The one who reveals secrets is a constant gossip. Avoid someone with a big mouth. That's the Word of God, by the way. 
Through the ears, Heather and I have done that very thing. When a big mouth gets revealed, we're going to no longer confide our heart with them because their big mouth has revealed where their heart's at and what their motive truly is. Proverbs 26.20, without wood, fire goes out. Without a gossip, conflict dies down. Again, I can point to evidence where gossip inflamed the relational conflict, eventually led to separation, division, destruction of relationships. And I can also point to where the people of God chose for the glory of God to stop throwing wood on the fire. Instead, seek to snuff it out. And it led to unity, reconciliation, and our Father in heaven who has adopted us as His kids by grace alone and through faith alone was glorified. As God's people, we reject gossip because such speech marks that of fools. And as God's people, we've been given new hearts made new in Him. Our mission now is to love Him, love people, and pursue wise speech, which is gracious. So how do the wise speak? With gentleness, not harshness. With truth, with truth, not lies. With graciousness, not gossip. And the last marker is that of is that wise speech is to be marked by restraint. Foolish speech is, to be, is often marked by a recklessness. And this is the one that Proverbs speaks to the most. And here are some. We'll read a lot of them, but 1019 says, when there are many words, sin is unavoidable, but the one who controls his lips is prudent. 1112 says, whoever shows contempt for his neighbor lacks sense, but a person with understanding keeps silent. Proverbs 1218, there is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. 13.3, the one who guards his mouth protects his life, for the one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. Proverbs 15.28, the mind of the righteous person thinks before answering, but the mouth of the wicked blurts out evil things. Chapter 17, verses 27 and 28 says, the one who has knowledge restrains his words. And the one who keeps a cool head is a person of understanding. Even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent, discerning when he seals his lips. The last couple, Proverbs 18, 13, the one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolishness and disgrace for him. Proverbs 29, 20, do you see someone who speaks too soon? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Are you picking up what Solomon's laying down here? I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. Those are multiple verses all in the same book reminding us that we are to pursue restraint and repent from recklessness. The wise are marked by speech that shows restraint. It, it shows self-control, which is the fruit of the Spirit. The tongue is held in check by the Spirit of God when everything in our flesh wants to go scorched earth, when everything in our flesh wants to be reckless. When everything in your flesh wants to fire back the email, send back the text, make the stupid comment on social media thinking that's going to bring about change. When all it does is feed your pride. The wise are quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. James 1.19, they are quick to bite their tongue for the glory of God. Not to avoid, this, not to avoid speaking the truth in love, but knowing that in this particular moment, 
it would not be a truth and love type of moment. If we spoke now, when emotions are high and hearts are laid bare and the idol has been exposed, for instance, we'd be trying to make glory about ourselves rather than the Lord. We'd try to make it about us. We'd try to flip James 1.19 on its head and we'd be quick to anger and quick to speak and, oh yeah, I guess we'll, we'll listen after the dust has settled and the charred remains are just there. The wise are not just filling the air with all the words. The people of God who are pursuing to live by the wisdom of the one who's given them new life are instead to be marked by listening and discerning, praying, asking, speaking as the Spirit leads, speaking with gentleness, with truth and love, with graciousness, especially and particularly when our flesh wants to break out the sword and just start piercing anyone in our path. Listen again, Proverbs 12, 18, There is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Chances are for most of us, if we can look back on our lives, you can find different times where we have spoken rash and piercing words and we have received rash and piercing words. I don't care to give you examples of those because they probably come to mind. Instead, may we, the people of God, be marked with a wise tongue that brings healing instead. Because also, as we look back, we can think of words that were sweet honeycomb-type words that we spoke and that we received. Words like this, I love you. I believe in you. I believe in the God who dwells inside of you. Will you forgive me for, and then naming your sin specifically? I forgive you. And knowing that that is a choice that they've made in light of the gospel. You bring me great joy, and here's why. I love this, whatever this is, about you. It's so good to see you. I was wrong. I was wrong. I'm praying for you. Let me pray for you. And you put your arm around them. You put your hand on your shoulder, on their shoulder, and you pray for them. You intercede on their behalf. Words like, the one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Or, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Or, you're not alone. I'm with you no matter what. Thank you for this. I see the Spirit of God at work in your life here. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. According to the verses we've looked at, the tongue, when ruled by the, by the foolishness of the flesh, leads to destinations that are described as stirring up wrath, breaking the spirit, causing strife and separation, creating division, which sounds a lot like our spiritual enemy's mission to steal, kill, and destroy. Our enemy whose native language is that of lies, according to Jesus. And when the tongue is pursuing wisdom in the Lord, it leads to a place that is to be marked by turning away anger. We're a tree of life, a kiss on the lips, sweet to the soul, health to the body, unity, reconciliation, restoration, which sounds a lot like the gospel, does it not? 
a lot like the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of God's grace and the life that Jesus has come to give us, life in the full according to John 10.10. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The question that we must wrestle with is who controls our tongue? Regarding our words, who is in control? James 3 compares the power of the tongue to the small rudder of a, of a massive ship or a small bit in a huge horse's mouth. A seemingly small part but has a massive effect. He goes on to write in James 3, 9-12, through 12, when the, with the tongue we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. So he's giving these word pictures to reveal that the source matters. A grapevine doesn't produce figs. A freshwater spring doesn't produce saltwater. And so please don't hear this, hear this message. This is my concern as we look at Proverbs, that we simply see working through Proverbs as behavior modification. If we see it simply as outward behavior modification, nothing actually changes in any length of time. The Lord is after the source, after our hearts. You and I won't control our own words in our own strength. We need the source transformed. We need the root of our words changed. The old one dug up nailed, buried, the new one planted. And what's the source? What's the root of our words? It's our hearts, according to Jesus. Our words are an overflow of our hearts. Jesus says this in Matthew 12, 33-35, revealing that our hearts are a diagnostic. Our words are simply a diagnostic of what's happening and ruling and reigning in our hearts. So Matthew 12, either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from his, his storeroom of good, and an evil, evil person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. The mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. And we are born with hearts that are bent towards sin and self. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone, we, our hearts can be made new, brought from death to life. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love that He had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses, you have been saved by grace. So brothers and sisters in Christ, we've been made alive in Christ. Our hearts of stone and self-centeredness have been removed. A heart of flesh and tenderness has been given to us instead. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, giving us the power and the desire to do what pleases Him. And because we've been made alive in Him, our speech is to be characterized by life and not death. We're gospel people, and the good news of Jesus Christ is sweet news to our ears. As we consider these verses, we've all blown it. We've all been harsh at times and not gentle. We've all lied at times and not spoken truth. We've all gossiped at times 
instead of choosing graciousness. We've been reckless at at times instead of choosing restraint. And those are not excuses to justify our sin and continue in them, but lead us to praise the One who covers our sin with His love and empowers us to walk and speak in in, in a new creation way, empowers us through the Spirit in a way that overflows from a heart. A heart that has been first loved by Jesus. And in response to that great love, we seek to live out the great commandment. Loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving our neighbor as ourselves. And our neighbor starts with those closest to us relationally. Father God, we love you and we trust you. Considering it's Father's Day, I want to pray specifically for my brothers here. Whether they are fathers or not, I want to pray for us as your sons. Father, for those who grieve, who have lost earthly fathers and grandfathers, I pray that you would bring comfort and bring to mind sweet memories of their life and the legacy of their life upon the generations that followed them. For those who are waiting right now, praying through infertility and praying through adoption, and I pray you'd give them peace. I pray you'd provide. I pray that you'd be glorified. Jesus, you came in the fullness of grace and truth, and we're grateful. You came at just the right time when we were in need of rescue from our sin and self-righteousness. Thank you for being rich in mercy, for having a great love for us, making us alive in you, bringing us from death to life. May our words and our way of life reveal the new life we have in you. May you enable our tongues to speak life and not death, to to be prayerfully active in our words to those around us. In the words that have been spoken to us that have left wounds, may you bring healing and minister to those areas of our hearts. May you remind us of who we are in you and not in our old creations. May our words follow in the patterns of who we are in you and not in the patterns of this world. May our speech be marked with gentleness, with truth, with graciousness, and with restraint and self-control. Enable us to pursue forgiveness with those around us who we've wounded. Empower us to reflect you in the fullness of your grace and truth to the people who you've providentially placed around us. Thank you that we're not left alone to pursue a growing godliness. You've given us your spirit, your word that is alive and active, and you're giving us one another in the family of God. Grow us to depend upon these sweet, amazing, beautiful graces from you. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Paul writes this in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 25. Therefore, putting away line, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him For the day of redemption, let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. 
and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. May we be imitators of God this week and this year in the time that we've been given and walk in love and speak of that love to those around us.